0: Hi everyone, welcome to the Warren Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Gabriela Ariana Campoverde, but you can call me Gabby. Our guest today is Steve Redditt, president, co-founder, and a director of Toast. Toast is an on one point of sale and restaurant management platform for businesses in the food service and hospitality space. Since its inception in 2011, it's helped clients delight their guests, do what they love, and thrive. In this episode, we learn about Toast's humble beginnings, how Toast released new features to better serve its clients during the COVID-19 pandemic, what innovation Steve is excited about for the restaurant industry, and all about Toast's culture. Now, let's get started. Hi, Steve, how are you doing today? Good. How are you? Good. Awesome. And you're calling in from Boston, I'm assuming?
1: Yes. yes.
0: Excited to learn more about Toast today. And you know, so many of us have seen your like POS systems. I was curious, can you get us started with what is the problem that you guys are trying to solve at Toast?
1: Well, we're trying to help restaurants of all sizes uh, run better businesses. Our mission is to empower restaurant communities to delight their guests, do they love and thrive. And so there's a there's a lot of pieces of that. One, the restaurant communities is broad. It includes not just the owner of the restaurant, but the employees of the restaurant, the community around the restaurant. We have Toast.org, which uh, is is very much involved in giving back to support food and and uh, food insecurity and the ecosystem around food, sustainable food ecosystems, and so on. So that's the community piece, and then. Delight guests, and we really care about how do we help our customers build better guest experiences. Whether that's scanning a QR code on a table to pull up an, a menu and order, and then pay, and and do that all really seamlessly, or uh, whether that's handhelds at the table so that the server can spend more time with their guests, or uh, line bust in a in a line where you're lining up at a counter and it's a busy restaurant. You know, those are all things that make a a more delightful guest experience. Um, do what you love. I mean, that for us is more about. Um, Building technology that helps the, the restaurant get back to what they love, which is usually not technology, it's usually hospitality or the service that they provide to their guests, making someone's anniversary special or their birthday or their special event, um, or just creating amazing food. Our customers are creative artists. And so helping them get back to what they love and having us be able to take all the sort of administrative work around running a business. Uh, and make that easier, and then help them thrive. So how do we help them attract new guests with our marketing tools, retain guests? Um, how do we help them manage their staff and their employees with our payroll systems and our labor labor management uh, product, product tools? How do we help them manage their food costs with uh, Extra Chef and some other tools we've we've done there, and run a smoother operation so that there's less food getting sent back to the kitchen, less comps, less discounts, faster service so that they could get more people through and make more revenue. You know, these are all things that we want to help our customers to do to thrive.
0: Yeah. And can you take us back to when you first started working on this idea? What did you find that was unique about the food entrepreneurs that you're working with? And how did you intentionally build in a way that other POS systems at the time were like simply not curating like their services for the unique market that you're working
1: with? Well, certainly there was a lot of just, just on the POS alone, there was a lot of very specific functionality that restaurants needed, whether that was kitchen display screens or special complexities of how you modify items. I want to say, no, I don't want chicken on the side, or I don't want chicken or I'm allergic to this or that. Um, You know, sometimes you have to choose certain things. They're forced to choose whether the steak's rare or medium or, well done, and so on. So there's a lot of complexity of running a restaurant um, that I think that, that you don't necessarily appreciate unless you're you're specifically focused on that just on the point of sale. But that said, a lot of the you know, legacy systems also had all those same things. Uh, what we did differently from them is we just recognized that restaurants wanted one system that could do more things for them, and that was more modern, that was more customer-facing. And so we started building online ordering for them. That was a separate vendor. Uh, that our customers were using. We started building digital gift card programs with QR codes, as well as physical gift cards and loyalty cards um, as well. Those were to other separate vendors. Uh, there was a separate vendor for payments. We bundled all of that in. And so now our customers can get s- s- five things that they were getting from five different vendors, all from Toast. And not only was it easier for them uh, to manage one relationship, but also all the products now work seamlessly together and provided a better restaurant tour employee and guest experience and so I, I think if you we ask our customers now that same question of what what else, what do they want how can we help them thrive and they'll say we want you to do more for us you know we, we wanted you to simplify our life and there's still more things that we can continue to build and provide value to the restaurant tour uh, so th- that sort of the emergence of a platform uh, is something that we we started down that path very early on, and many of the players that were in the space at the time, as well as our competitors, just weren't doing that. Uh, so so I, I sort of look at this. Anytime you see a, a single customer that has to cobble together five or six different solutions to do anything and to run their their business or their their life, Like, there's an opportunity for a platform company to emerge. thought it was Hub, HubSpot. We, know, we certainly studied HubSpot, who was a, a neighbor of ours in, in Boston. And I would say them, their story was very similar. When we looked at building, in fact, our own first website, and we were, ended up using HubSpot, I asked our marketing leader, what would we have to buy if we didn't use HubSpot? And she said, well, we'd have to buy this and this and this. We, we were not, we'd have to buy five different vendors. And, and before HubSpot, there was this mess of point solutions that you had to cobble together. And so it was ripe for the emergence of HubSpot to provide a platform there. So we have a very similar platform uh, story in that regard.
0: Yeah. And the Toast story began around nine years ago. What got you guys even interested in this? Is it, as we're talking about this, clearly you cared a lot about your customer. And is that the center of like building this very unique service for them? How did it all get started? And what did your MVPs look like?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, yes, I would say we cared a lot about our customer. And it's advice I give to any entrepreneur now that customer obsession, in fact, we, not just entrepreneurs, if you're running a larger company, you have to think about the same thing. Amazon talks about customer obsession and being the world's biggest startup. And so and this is true, whether you're the smallest of startups or the largest of companies, we fundamentally believe customer obsession is, um, is 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 really critical to the success of any company. So, so we had that from day one. We also, and I also know in in technology startups or startups generally, you need to be sort of looking at where are the what are the major trends driving change in the world and be at the forefront of those because you know a big company can go and otherwise out execute you on execution so you better be doing something different and disruptive and so for us it was things like the emergence of fintech and uh, that was a big trend that's still happening in the world today and you're seeing the evolution of that um, we were you know 10, 10 years ago seeing early stages of that and that was a key trend that Toast, by building payments b- built in, became a critical part of our business model that our competitors didn't have. And as a result of that, our unit economics, when we talked to investors, just looked better than all of our competitors. We, raised, we were able to, on the back of that, raise more money than our competitors could um, because our business model looked better. And that has everything to do with the fact that we rode that fintech wave of embedded payments and payment facilitators and so on um, that everybody else didn't, didn't do. But of course, we also saw the rise of software as a service. And that was another technology wave that we were riding. The restaurant industry, and as other industries were 10 years ago, before we started, uh, the restaurant industry was still on legacy client server model. And it was server literally physical computers servers in the office running a database that was built in 1995 or 93 or you know, whenever the, that particular software had was using. So rode the, the SaaS wave. And then we bundled a bunch of things together around consumer. I said, we we wanted to like guests. Guests was always, and consumer was always at the top of our mind. And consumers' expectations about how they want to interact with every business had started to change. The uberization of everything, if you will. Like, I want to be able to use my phone as a remote control for the world. And so I want to be able to use my phone to order from this restaurant or to pay or to you know, get my loyalty or my gift cards. Like, I should be able to use my phone um, for everything that I can do with this restaurant. So being able to provide all those consumer facing functions in a mobile form factor was something that the, the existing industry didn't do. And then finally, just being able to leverage Android hardware and use tablets in the restaurant instead of uh, Microsoft sort of commodity devices. We could drastically lower the cost of hardware for our customers when they purchased a new system and make it that much easier for them to support because people understood how to use Android operating systems or iOS operating systems much more than they knew how to use systems that were built in 1995 and still running on sort of Windows 3.1-esque software, right? So that made a big difference for us as well. So riding that, the, the, the rise of tablets. Tablets brought computing into the mobile workforce. If you were a taxi driver or a doctor or a nurse or a construction worker or a restaurant worker, you weren't sitting at a desk all day and software largely was not helping you make your business better. When all of a sudden you could carry it around with you because it was mobile, because you would run it on a tablet, it transformed so many other industries. And you saw that with the rise of Procore, for instance, in the construction industry or all the health systems in the, in the healthcare industry and so on. So Toast is just sort of another riding that wave of, of tablets. Bringing computing into the mold workforce.
0: Yeah. And I I started laughing because I I remember I was a waitress at a Spanish restaurant in the Little Reese side. And we, in the corner, we had this like ancient looking PC that we would have to like click in. It it did have a touch screen. So I I guess in that way it it helped, but it was just awful to use. It's like every time you had someone come in and like sit down, like you put in their order. For the table, and it was just so unpleasant. And I don't even think I remembered how to switch programs because it's like the the menu just looks so funky. But those were not fun days for sure. <laughs> I was curious if you could tell us a bit more about how like your platform came about to be, right? You also released so many like new features during the pandemic to meet the changing needs of your clients, especially in the past couple of years. Like, how did that come about, and what are they?
1: Yeah, I think it's always been both just following our customers and following the technology trends. I just mentioned you know, both of those two things being super important. They were important in the beginning, and they're still important now. And so if you look at what we did through the pandemic, we looked at what's changed in the restaurant industry. What does the restaurant industry need right now? And the answer was quite clear. We needed touchless payments. We needed online ordering technology to be significantly better than it had been in the past. Um, we we needed delivery service. We launched Toast delivery services last year. Toast order and pay. It's Toast scan to pay. Those were two QR code based, touchless payment um, options and ordering options. We launched Toast Now, which allowed non-Toast POS customers to leverage our online ordering platform. Uh, and then, and then our Toast marketing services. So it was it was really just sort of following the customer needs at the time. You know, I think other things that we've done have been looking at. Um, you know where other companies might be having success, and so we're thinking about look what we launched this year at our Spark event. We launched our Toast Pay card, we launched our Toast Restaurant card, we launched Toast Tip Manager, and um, and Toast Scheduling. And so we've we've certainly been following the space of same day pay and and seeing people have success with that. You know that's certainly something that sort of for fintech folks should should be well aware of what's going on with some same day pay. You know, similar bill now, pay later, kind of buy now, pay later. Uh, not something we're necessarily doing, but we're certainly studying uh, you know, trends like that as to whether it may be relevant to us. When we launched Toast Capital, like I think, I don't know, I guess it was three something more year, years ago at this point now, you know, we saw other players that were having success with a, a capital model. And we felt like we had the opportunity to do the same and, and, and have the same success and bring greater access to capital at better access and better rates. To the restaurant industry because we had so much data on on our customers and how successful they were and even though a lot of our customers may not have the best credit scores we know they're still good they are still good businesses because we see their payments coming in and, and operationally we have a much simpler process to offer loans because we already have done the aml and kyc checks that a financial ins- institution would need to do because we do their payments we already have their bank account information on file we can very easily deposit the money into their account next day. Uh, We can underwrite them automatically. And then we can start processing loan repayments from a percentage of the payments of, of what's going into their account otherwise. A typical traditional bank just can't do any of those things. And so it becomes a much more complicated process to get a loan. And the default rates are higher, and the repayment rates are higher, and the Administrative cost is higher, and therefore the rates are higher, and so the ex- accessibility is lower. It's just everything gets better um, for, Toast, for Toast Capital versus if you if you didn't have it part of the platform. And so, but it, that was something we we looked at. You know, the technology trends that were going on in the fintech world, and said, how do we apply those trends to the restaurant industry? So it's the intersection of what's changing, whether it's SaaS or fintech or tablets or consumer trends, et cetera what's changing and then how can we apply those changes and be customer obsessed about it to our, to our industry. And that, and that's always what we've done. You know, we saw a lot of those trends changing. We studied what restaurants needed and we built what they needed in year one. And, you know, now in year, almost year 10.
0: You mentioned the toast card. Is that you meant for employees or is that meant for um, the restaurateurs that you're working with? Like, what does the ideal profile look like?
1: But we have two. There's a Toast restaurant card, which is explicitly for the restaurant owner and manager. Um, You can get faster access to funds instead of waiting 24, 48 hours for the funds to clear. uh, They can get instantly deposited on a card. And that's taking advantage of a lot of the instant payment rails that are being developed by Visa and MasterCard. And the Fed, I think is developing some instant payment rails. You see that instant peer-to-peer payments that you might be familiar with if you use... A Venmo, <laughs> a Venmo that's tied to a debit card, it can be instantly transferred between you and your friends. The same underlying rails are what's powering that restaurant card's ability to get access to payments that much faster. Um, but we're also building rewards into it. so We can build restaurant-specific rewards. So if you're a restaurateur and you go to... Uh, this is hypothetical, I'm actually not sure if this is a particular reward, but you know, there's, there's specialty restaurant Providers like Restaurant Depot, for instance, is is a, a restaurant supply store. You can go there and get food. It's sort of like a Costco for restaurateurs. Um, you know that it, maybe you can get five percent cash back if you use your Toast Restaurant card at at that particular kind of place. Now, again, I don't know if that's actually a reward, so I don't want to. Anyway, I don't want to say it is or not. But that's an example of the type of reward you might imagine on a restaurant-specific card. And so there's the also the Toast Pay card, which is for employees. Very similar value proposition there, where Employees can get access to their their wages that they might have earned already that otherwise they'd have to wait for two weeks to get a paycheck. They can now uh, get them the same day onto a card. And so, if there's um, you know a bill that's coming up that you have to pay that you've earned the money to pay but you just don't get it for two weeks, you know this is a, this is definitely a real problem for employees having a faster access to to cash really matters. The other thing that you see is in the in the tipping industry or in the restaurant industry where their, where tips are so important often servers would get very used to, or restaurant employees would get very used to taking home a lot of cash that night from cash tips. But as more and more payments are moving to card and there's less and less cash tips, now people are having to say, well, I I have to wait for my paycheck to get the tips. And employees don't really like that. So the ability to have tip manager tied in to pay card so that we can handle the really complex distribution of pool tips or tip outs to back a house or to different groups uh, and then have that automatically then be able to get your tips on your card that you earn that your credit card tips not your cash tips that's a a really compelling thing for the restaurant industry as well
0: yeah and i think it's also an important point to bring up is you know sometimes that's a majority of your pay right? right to being yeah and yeah you,
1: you you were a server you know right
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was a server in New York City those were the most fabulous of days but you, you learn how to work hard right um we just had the, the like the founder of Vernon of also like handling a similar problem but for different industries so fascinating to think about it's like as an employee you don't think that that will ever happen but now there's like fintechs like much like yours who are making that possible right I'm switching gears a bit. You've been in this industry, like you've mentioned, for close to a decade. What are still some unmet needs that you see that your clients experience? And how are you or like, what would you want other folks, other potential entrepreneurs to also start working on?
1: Yeah, well, we, I mean, we certainly following a few trends pretty closely and trying to figure out how we might help. Um, certainly, the labor environment in the restaurant industry right now is is really tough. It, it's really tough for our customers to find employees and to hire and fill the shifts that they need to fill. So that's that's been definitely something that we're trying to figure out how we we can help with that. And so there's things like how do you just make existing staff more efficient? Order and pay at the table is is one that I mentioned, where you can scan a QR code, and one server now might be able to handle twice as many tables. Or you, you change the service model, and we have customers like the. Um, Hospitality group that has really kind of taken this captain model where instead of a server, they call them a captain, and the captain now can preside over that many more tables. I think they have the same number of staff and they're serving like you know, five times more tables or something. I don't, I forget the specific detail on that, but it's been very transformation, transformative for their business. And so in a lower staff environment, anything you do to make staff more productive is helpful. But the other thing, you know, we're trying to figure out how do we do is. Uh, how do we help them attract staff? How do we make a better employee value proposition? So that's things like the pay card and the tip manager. And so uh, we also are um, looking at things like healthcare benefits that we might be able to offer to employees uh, as part of post-employee and, and team management, uh, 401k benefits, and some of the types of things that we can use. Even scheduling, is it really matters, actually. So um, the ability to have sort of a Slack-like um, communication tool for the, for the employees that uh, that can swap shifts and say, hey, I, I just can't make the shift. Can you take? Can you pick it up? It's really painful to do that over email or phone or phone or text or um, to do that in a tool that's tied into your scheduler. Um, that becomes really valuable too and just makes the the job of a restaurant employee that much easier. So anything we do to make it a more attractive place to work. Our customers are actually competing against Amazon. We hear this from our customers. We're competing against Amazon and Amazon's paying whatever, you know, 15 more, you know, paying actually pretty high wages for people. And uh, it's making it hard for us to attract people in places where Amazon has distribution centers. Fascinating to, to think about that. But we used to always also talk about our customers are competing for labor with the gig economy. I could choose to go drive for the gig economy somewhere, or I could choose to work in a restaurant. And so there's that labor competition. So anything we can do to make the job better is helping our customers to attract and retain their, their teams. So that's very top of mind. Um, You know, there's there's a lot of question about what's going on with inflation right now, of course, you see that. And so food costs and um, supply chain crises, you know, rippling through the economy, certainly are not missing any sector of the economy, restaurants included. And so how do we help our customers to navigate the supply chain and and inflationary pressure on their food costs? And so we're certainly excited about what we can do with Extra Chef in that regard to help our customers understand their food costs. In a very more automated way, and then figure out what the best way to respond is is to that. So those are those are labor and food are certainly two things that we're very much paying attention to. And then the third one is just what um, what can we do to help our customers navigate? I don't know what you know what what do you want to call it the new normal of um, the revenue side of the business. So takeout and delivery and what's going on there? Do they do they how do they uh, navigate changing consumer preferences? Um, around p- how people order, so so that's another thing that we're we're looking at very closely.
0: And I also wanted to ask you about you have mentioned various different types of restaurants that you're working with, but what does the landscape look like within the U.S. Right? Like, are you, you know, most restaurants are are the ones that you typically think about? They're like city based, but are the needs of like you mentioned a restaurant that's close to an Amazon fulfillment center like? Are those like suburban towns or like rural towns? And how has how have you been able to work with those clients versus um, you know, the typical city hub clients that you would have?
1: Well, certainly I think I mean every restaurant's different and every restaurant has slightly different needs. And so that's the benefit of having a platform like Toast that serves restaurateurs and only folks on restaurant tours is we understand those differences and, and we can be very consultative with our sales team, with our services team to help you understand how to get the best use of our platform now, but also in whatever changes are occurring in in the industry, in in your particular city or your particular town. So I'm not sure I I have enough, I'm not sure there's anything I would specifically say about one rural versus urban versus suburban. You know, There's really busy, I would say busy restaurants often have different problems than restaurants that don't have enough demand, but that's true across rural, urban and, and suburban. Um, and so I would say that's a, probably a bigger differentiator that we think about as far, as far as that goes. And then we also look at things like, you know, there's a lot of difference between bars versus rest, you know, full-serve restaurants that you're more sitting down versus restaurants where you're going to counter, fast casual, fast food. You know, there's just different segments there. And we look at that probably a little bit more than we look at, uh, again, um, other, other differentiators. Uh, so, so that definitely that definitely matters.
0: And I'd like to ta- learn a bit more about like your company culture, right? Like, how would you describe it? It's clearly from the sense that I get from you guys are very, like you mentioned, very passionate about the customer, really interested in like restaurants and food. So, how like what does the daily life of a toaster look like?
1: Yeah, well, we definitely feel like we are in the same industry as our customers, and we're part of that environment. So, hospitality is something we really talk a lot about. And care about. We want our culture to be a hospitable culture. One of our core values is, is embrace a hospitality mindset. When it comes to hospitality, we're big believers in the concept of hospitality as the way you make other people feel. Sort of a Danny Meyer definition. If if uh, if if not others, I'm not sure, but I, I attribute it to Danny Meyer. And so, starting with the other people on your team, and then your customers, and then your vendors, and everybody else around you, it's, it's very much a, a positive mindset. Uh, so that's a big part of what we think about. One team is a big core value for Toast. We are all in this together, or whether you're in one department or another, even groups that you might often think about as more sort of individual, like a sales group, right? As a very collaborative culture and very much lives the one team value. So we um, we live by our, our core values and um, it's definitely a you know, hospitality driven company. But we're also, you know, we're we're an ambitious group. We're driven by our purpose and our mission. That's another core value: driven by purpose, and um, and, and so it's a it's a high-paced growth company. So it's um it still is a very much a big startup that's growing exponentially every year. And that pace and that sort of change that comes with that is sort of fun and and part of the culture for sure. And so we're very driven. We're always hungry is another value. So we're like always thinking about how do we do what's next? How do we help our customers do more? Uh, and so that's that's definitely felt in our culture. And then we explicitly try to bring a lot of restaurant experience into the company. So two thirds of toasters, we call our employees toasters, have worked in restaurants before. And that very much brings a lot of empathy for our customers, a lot of deep understanding of what their needs are, whether it comes to building products or serving our customers, that really, I think, helps make our culture very aligned to our customers.
0: And you know, you mentioned a couple of puns in there, like toaster, quite clearly one of them, and then also staying hungry. Like, given your time there, have there been any that really stand out? Because we started learning more about toast for a like a venture capital class here at Wharton. and my my pretend VC firm. Learned more about what you guys were doing, but our favorite one was worth toast. And people thought that we were we're doing very poorly on our project, but we just wanted to say we're working on toast. (laughs) Um, But I'm sure you heard much more than that. So any, any like that you'd like to share?
1: Well, we definitely um, use a lot of puns. Uh, You know, you might argue we overuse puns, but a few that I think are pretty great are we call our kids croutons. So children of toasters are called croutons. We haven't quite figured out what grandkids are toasters are called yet, but we've got some ideas. And then um, pets of toasters are called biscuits. So biscuits Uh, and croutons are two puns that I think are pretty great.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And what are you guys looking for in like future hires, right? For future toasters? Like you mentioned some qualities, but are there any like specific teams that you're expanding? Or if there's one quality, what would you say it is that you're looking for?
1: Um, yeah, well, all teams are expanding for sure. So we are definitely looking for people across all departments and and all teams. It's hard to pick one thing, but I guess if I were to pick one thing, like you know, passion for solving restaurant problems and for helping make a difference in the restaurant industry, I think is probably the most important thing. If you you know most toasters come to work every day trying to figure out how to help in whatever way that happens to be, that could be supporting the rest of our team, that could be supporting our customers, that could be building new products to drive value for our customers, whether that's making the product easier to use or you know, more stable or, or driving some new functionality that helps, you know, I think all of those things were driven by serving our customers. So passion for the restaurant industry definitely matters. You know, certainly just toasters often consider themselves foodies. Many toasters certainly consider themselves foodies, although some people don't like that word, but I, I think we all would agree with that. I mean, I love to cook and, uh, I, I don't cook as much as I'd like because I like eating at restaurants too, actually. But when I do cook, I, I really enjoy doing it. And I and I, and I I uh, enjoy restaurants for the same reason, because I love food.
0: I want to talk a bit more about you and your career. Like what, clearly you've spent a, quite a number of years on toast, but what did the earlier portions of your career look like? And what were some of the lessons that you brought into toast?
1: Yeah, well, I, I mean, I worked at a company called Indeca for almost seven years before toast. Right out of college that made a big difference a hugely influential you know I think I learned a ton. I believe experience absolutely helps you in your entrepreneurial journey and so having been able and also I've also believe having seen what the inside of success looks like really matters. So having been at another company that was exponentially scaling doubling in growth every year and knowing the difference between having tried things at Indeca, and certainly we've now tried things at Toast that haven't scaled you know at the same way, you start to get some intuition and feel for what's working and what's not. And the earlier you can sort of sniff that out and, and say, you know what, this isn't working. It's just not, doesn't feel like the other thing that was successful felt. We probably should just stop working on it and pivot and shift to something else. I think that really helps an entrepreneur to find their way to the thing that's going to really exponentially scale. So Indeco was super valuable for that, but it was also a valuable network um, Chris, our CEO, we uh, was in Deca. We worked with him there. Uh, my other two co co-founders worked very closely with with me at Deca as well. Our head of customer success was in Deca. Some of our earliest engineers were all uh, from Deca, including my twin brother, who also worked at Deca. So he was, uh, you know, first engineer and an architect at Toast that's been very influential to the engineering team. So we got a huge amount of value of just the network that you build when you work in a particular industry. And, you know, it's the same that you get from the network value of a business school, right? Of course, it's just a little bit broader in, in that year, which has got its own benefits, of course. But for, for tech in particular, the Indeka network was super valuable.
0: Awesome. And do you have any other advice for aspiring founders? We have quite a number of them typically listen to our shows.
1: Um, I, well, let's see. I gave my advice on customer obsession to aspiring founders, as well as sort of follow some of the trends. And trends are sort of constantly changing. So be at a technology frontier. You know, the other thing that I think about is vision and is vision is super important. Now you got to sell, you got to sell investors, you got to sell employees, and you got to sell customers. you got to get people in the boat, if you will. And, and what I've learned is that the more inspirational and the more you can paint a picture of what success may look like in five years or 10 years even, I think... That just really that that can really help. Now, granted, you also have to have a strong value proposition for this year, right? And, and so you, you it can't be all about long-term vision, but you need to tell a compelling story. Storytelling ends up being super valuable. And so getting, you know, cycles where you, you get an opportunity to present and tell and you know and pitch and and television and tell a story or sell or recruit or you know, pitch, pitch, you know, pitch investors and learn to craft those sort of storytelling skills. I think that's um, super valuable. I do think, actually, on the other hand, you know, getting the perspective of investors is super helpful. So if you have a chance to work at you know, in, at a venture capital firm for a summer, you know, that actually can be quite helpful because you'll be on the other side of the table, having seen 50 different pitches, and you kind of know which ones land and which ones don't, and so that can be very helpful just as much as customer obsession helps to really put yourself in your customer's shoes, helps you to sell to customers. And just like working at a company like Indeca helps you understand what great culture looks like from the inside, really understanding that the investor perspective can help as well. Because once you sell, you've done. now you've got to execute, but you've actually got to deliver. You've got to deliver financial results. You've got to be analytical about looking at your business and optimizing and, and not running into cash and delivering revenue and, and all the things that come with executing against a financial plan, you've got to be able to build a great culture and retain the best and attract the best people. And you've got to be able to deliver value to your customers in the form of your products and services so that you know they, they stick around once you sell, sell them. So you've got both sides of the coin. You really have to find... You've got to be good at selling and you've got to be good at executing and across all three facets, customers, investors, and employees.
0: Thank you for that. We would love to keep you here for the rest of the day, but we know we can't. So we always end with one personality, one like, fun question. Uh, we've heard we've had family traditions around cooking. So I was curious, what was your favorite theme dinner that you had? And like tell us more about this tradition.
1: Well, I would say it was a couple of traditions on one side of my family, my wife's family would do every year, and it was always going to be themed. It used to start off being called Seafood Night because it was always themed around seafood, but over the years, it, the theme has changed. So this year, it was Vietnamese food and um, made some some really good food this year, I spent all day cooking. And so that's really a lot of fun. And then my other side of my family would often do things in the summer, like Fourth of July, we'd do a burger competition, and I made this delicious, like, pineapple burger one. So that, that I think won that competition. And then we had a margarita version, you know, a few years later, and I built and made this margarita, mango margarita, frozen mango margarita was really good too. Um, So that was really fun.
0: Did you have like any, Was a burger around like eating it or like a burger competition or was it just for pleasure? Because it's like, every time I think of ginormous food, I'm just like, oh my God, automatic food coma, which is also a family tradition in itself, right? <laughs>
1: this is more around flavor, I think, um, versus the, yeah, they were small burgers, I remember, but they, we were trying to compete on flavor. Uh, yeah.
0: Oh, uh, yeah. Uh. Did you win or did someone else get the trophy? I
1: can't recall. I remember really enjoying that pineapple burger. I just, I don't remember uh, who won though.
0: (laughs) Sounds like a great time. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. And it's been a pleasure to get to know you more.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Wharton FinTech Podcast. If you love our show, please write us a review or engage with us on social media. We greatly appreciate your support and it helps us spread the word to more listeners. If you want more content from our FinTech community, please subscribe to our podcast channel and find us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Medium at Warren FinTech. Here you'll access interviews, articles, and much more analyzing all aspects of the industry. As always, a very special thank you to our wonderful editor, Rafael Ostria. Until next time, your host, Gabby.